Hello, hello. Guess what time it is? It is time to go soul deep. And today we go soul deep in conversation with Michelle Garcia. She's a teacher. She's been a teacher for six years. Right now she's currently teaching in Broward County and uh, she's teaching middle schoolers. And so we go into the topics of challenges of, you know, uh, being a teacher in this day and age. And we also touch on subjects as far as like, she's 28, you know, the challenges she's faced. She also um, moved out on her own during her senior year in high school. And she shared how that shaped her. And I think that she was a little nervous, but uh, this is her first time doing this, just like it's my first time doing this. I, I feel like I've been interviewing and bringing on family members because they are my, you know, they are my people. And I think that there's no better way to start this than, you know, especially with the fact that these are like, you know, soul deep conversations and uh, people that I have connected with. And so as long as they are willing to come on, I'm going to bring them on. And I think that's also a good way for me to practice. Today was different with uh, doing questions and uh, maybe me not talking as much. And so it's definitely, I think uh, it was different and I enjoyed doing it because it gave me a chance to do it, you know, to see what this kind of setting would be like. So I really hope you guys enjoy it. I also wanted to say thank you, thank you, thank you so much for, you know, the fact that I don't know where the heck. 102 listeners have come from but apparently I hit a goal and I'm able to do ads I don't think I'm going to do them just yet because I don't like listening to ads when I'm listening to podcasts and so but the fact that I even hit that not even like I had 60 days to do it from when I started and I hit it at 41 days it's I mean it's beyond me so thank you to everybody who's listening and supporting in some way thank you for the feedback i've been receiving as always uh, please you know feel free to you can send voice messages on spotify through the episodes you can also do it through the anchor fm site and uh you can email me at souldeepin at gmail.com and you can also uh leave replies feedback on what you thought about the episode and i would love if you could also give a rating of your choice. So thank you. Thank you again to everybody. I really hope you enjoy this episode with Michelle, my niece, and that she wants to come back. So if you have any additional questions you'd like to ask her, bring them on. Have a great, great day. Bye. Hello. Today we bring a very special guest. This is my first niece ever. And she is a teacher. She's been a teacher for six years. Mm -hmm. She's also been living on her own since her senior year of high school. And she's been through a huge growth journey in the past few years. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to bring her on. She's also one of my uh, best top listeners. And she gives me feedback. (laughs) Well, hello. And thank you for having me on Soul Deep. I'm a big fan. Yes, you are. So I have a few questions that I looked up myself. Okay. And I have a few other questions that people right. have asked. And I don't know these questions, so <laughs> all right. I hope I can answer them. <laughs> so what 
has um as a 28 year old woman what are some of the most significant life lessons that you have learned so far okay that's a loaded question but i'll try to bullet point them <laughs> um i think that the biggest lesson um, maybe i'll name a few but the biggest lesson i think i've learned is not to be codependent on anybody 100 percent do not 100% rely on anybody. I feel like you have to be your own biggest supporter um, in life because, you know, if people are always there to catch you, you're not going to learn how to figure out things on your own when, you know, they may not be available to help you or there at all. So I feel like that is number one. Um, number two is that you need to value yourself over your partner. Um, in relationships, because I feel like if you are too codependent on them, you'll start losing yourself and, you know, forgetting why you started in a relationship in the first place and you just become completely reliant on being in a relationship and not growing, if that makes sense. It does. Okay. <laughs> However, I did want to like kind of interject there. Yeah, interject, interject. Because while I do agree you should never become codependent on anybody mm -hmm. you should never not depend on people period true you made that sound a bit oh yeah extreme. okay so okay as so this is going back into my growth journey i feel like the first half of my decade living alone i did that a lot and i think that i didn't learn a lot because i was relying on people to help me with with groceries with food and and with rent if i didn't like make it on time and i feel like once i learned that you know that wasn't really helping me prepare for the future i decided that you know i don't want too many people's help with things if i know that i'm capable of doing it so i won't ask for help if i think that i should be able to take care of something if that makes sense okay so you're not you're not opposed. No, I'm not opposed. Because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody goes through yeah. ups and downs. So what you're saying is that learn to rely on yourself. Yeah, you have then... to give yourself some room to grow. I feel like if you don't expose yourself to things that are difficult in life, you're not going to achieve that learning goal. And you need to keep growing in life. And if you keep going back to people who you know will just do something for you, and just won't learn how to do it or take care of yourself. Okay. Any other significant life lessons? You've been living alone since I was 18. Your senior year. Yeah. My 18th birthday. Um so it was March of 2013 and I was yes, still a senior in high school. Did not graduate till June of that year. So a couple months in high school alone. Can you speak on how that experience was? living alone while still being in high school having okay. to attend so, high school so i have two different perspectives i have the perspective of when i was in it and now i have my afterthought perspective which are completely different so when i was in it i thought it was highly unfair i thought it was very sucky in the best terms i could put it it sucked um everybody was you know going home and didn't have a job and you know, they were doing everything that a senior 
you know, about to graduate did, which was party. I don't even think I attended a real party until after, like, I started college. Um, so I had a lot of more responsibilities. I went to work right after school. Sometimes I would work until about 11. I took the public bus to school in the morning and high school down in Miami started at 7 a.m. So I was up pretty early. Um, it's just, I, it was very, very tough, but I felt like I was getting some independence that a lot of my friends at the time didn't have. So I kind of felt a little bit older, a little bit more mature, but it still sucked at the same time. Now, looking back at it, I think that I feel like I'm a little more prepared than most people my age because I was thrown into that situation and I had to learn how to survive. And I have a couple years on people now on that. So I feel like I'm grateful for that. So I, I can't complain. I feel like it's worked out eventually. It's worked out. In so the it's end. a good reminder that sometimes if you're going through some thing mm -hmm. that sucks yeah it could shape and mold you mm -hmm. and prepare you for things in the future mm -hmm. and going back to your episode on grieving i related to that episode because i felt like um i was grieving my expectation of what my senior year what my life would be at at 18 people applying for colleges and going away and i had to grieve that that just wasn't what was going to happen with me but instead I got to experience all these other things um, and grow while I was doing it. So there's a nice silver lining there. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Uh, it's funny because that was the question I was going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, how have your priorities shifted or evolved since your early 20s? Um, so I've had a lot of changes of what I thought I wanted. Um, when I was like 20, 21, 22, I just really wanted to graduate college and become a teacher. And so now that I've already done that and I've been teaching for a couple of years, I'm already thinking about like, what's next? What else do I want? I feel like I'm more thinking about like family type of things, like how I want to grow in my relationship right now and how I want to mature and contribute and become more financially stable. Um, Whereas earlier, I just wanted to just get a career, boom, that's it, and have a boyfriend. And that was just very simple bullet point um, goals. And now they're kind of gray areas. They're, they're a lot to unpack on the goals that I want right now. Mostly, I just want to start like living. I want to start settling down a little bit, calming down a little bit, because I'm about to I'm about to enter my 30s, so I want to enter nice and mature and prepared for what's going to happen, which I don't know what's going to happen, <laughs> but I'd like to be prepared for it. How can you prepare for something you don't know? Um, <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Um, well, I feel like I've been prepared for a lot of things that I didn't know was going to happen. Um, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I feel like I have not been prepared for things that I didn't know was going to happen, but I I handled it in ways that, I don't know, I, I just figured things out and I felt like that was good practice. So that's good practice for the future when you are exposed to situations that are, you don't have any preparation for and you don't have any expectation for and then you just handle it and you learn. So I guess I'm ready for the future because I know that whatever happens, it's gonna be fine. Because it has been so far.
in fact. Mm -hmm. Maybe not overly preparing. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I think sometimes when we create those expectations, because at least personally, mm -hmm. you know, anytime that I think, okay, I, how I envisioned, you know, my 20s, my 30s, mm -hmm. nothing that I envisioned worked out the way I wanted. No, for me either. I thought I would be married with kids by 25, and that sounds like a real, and I thought real I was, bad joke now. <laughs> I thought I was going to not have kids until I was in my 40s. And I oh. ended up having done this at 23. So my goal was to travel, to, you know, not have responsibilities, to be able to have freedom because I felt right. like I didn't have a lot of freedom when I was young, right? Yeah. Uh, like if wow. I even was going to have kids because there was a part of me that was like, I don't think I want them. So. Well, I definitely want them. And now as I'm 28, because I've had to push the number back a couple years because now I'm 28, I thought I would have had kids three years ago. Um, now I'm like saying maybe 32, but who knows? Maybe I'll be back on this podcast when I'm 32 <laughs> and I'm like, 28-year-old <laughs> Michelle did not know what she was talking about. So I don't I don't know. I'm just riding. riding I just think away. that we can. We can't like, make have our own goals, timeline. right? We, we can't have goals, but there's. We can't create the timeline right. to be exactly what we think it's right. going to be. Because there's other things that go into play. Yeah. And I'm having a good time right now. I'm traveling yeah. and, you know, I. If I got pregnant right now, I'd probably be like a little scared. I wouldn't be upset, but I'd be like, well, this is an end to of a chapter and now it's going to be a new chapter. It's going to be very different. Um, but if I can control the chapters, I'm going to wait just a little bit because I'm I'm enjoying myself now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so how do you. I don't think that one's right. So... How do you maintain your passion and enthusiasm for teaching after several years in the profession? Oh, another loaded question. <laughs> okay, so teaching and me, um, we have a really interesting relationship because there are times where I absolutely love it um, and I feel good and I'm excited and I you know, have these bursts of creativity that I'm like wanting to execute in the classroom. Um, but then there are a lot of times more than I'd like to admit that I feel very discouraged and sometimes disrespected by the youth today. <laughs> um, they're a very interesting bunch. Um, and I do go home drained, completely energetically drained and like, like not wanting to go back, but I do anyways. And, you know, it's, and I hate to use this as like a, like an analogy, but sometimes it feels like the teaching profession for a lot of teachers, it's like being in an, uh, an emotionally abusive relationship. Like you love it so much and you just you want the best but it, it it's sometimes it's a little bit it's difficult to go back and sometimes that's why a lot of teachers are leaving the profession now it's for their mental health um i get it i understand but i still have a little more fight i i'm <laughs> it's only been it's about to be my sixth year so i feel like i i could take the punches for a couple more years <laughs> what just to mm -hmm. i guess feed off of that mm -hmm. response what do you think, like, if you had full control mm -hmm. of the educational system right mm -hmm. now, what do you think should be implemented so that what is happening isn't happening? Okay. Um, well, a lot of schools are already implementing um, something called social-emotional learning, which is, in short, SEL. We have a lot of lessons that um, touch on 
just emotional uh, education, which I think is super important. I just don't think that it's being executed in the correct way. I feel like maybe there should be full classes and not just, you know, one lesson every week um, administered by a random teacher that doesn't really want to teach that, you know, if, if math is your thing, you're not trying to do yoga in your class, you know? <laughs> um, so I wish that they would implement that more heavily just as math and science and social studies, because I feel like it is a, it is a core subject because, you know, you need to learn how to deal with your emotions um, your whole entire life. You might not need to do algebra for your whole entire life, but I feel like it's going to help kids juggle their, their stress and their anxiety um, that they are going to face throughout their education. And I feel like that should be prioritized over maybe civics or social studies, in my opinion. I mean, a lot can argue, a lot of people will argue that this is something that they should be taught at home. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I struggle with that with a lot of my students as parents, because they do come in and they are lacking a lot of just some basic communication and social needs. Um, and sometimes I talk to their parents and I'm like, oh, it's just the same with the parents. Um, I feel like a lot of parents today are leaving that all up to the teachers and they're, they're expecting us to take care of every single department of what the child needs. And it's, it's a lot because we can't do all of that. We can't even begin teaching a lesson unless all these social needs are, are met. Like some kids come in depressed, hungry, without you know proper clothing on um because they don't have it so all of those things need to be met first before they even start with the learning because you know if their basic needs aren't met there's no way they're going to pay attention to a lesson mm -hmm. but it's safe to say that it's hard for a parent to teach something they themselves 100 percent. yes yeah. um and the sad reality is that there there is a lot of parents out there that do need support um and the schools try their best to offer resources, parent nights, um, to give those parents some resources. But um, typically, these parents that we're looking at are of the working class, and a lot of them cannot even attend these meetings uh, or these, you know, these events at the school because you know they're working one, two jobs. They're single parents. Um, I don't know. So I just feel like more social, emotional, mental health accessibility needs to be available but kind of it goes back to well, i haven't even published that but it goes back to what i guess i was telling you mm -hmm. earlier that that if person doesn't recognize it as something that yeah. they require mm -hmm. it makes it really hard because you can show somebody mm -hmm. anything yeah but and if they don't recognize that this is something that they need and they require then you can't really force them to mm -hmm. learn it or to acknowledge that they're missing certain elements or certain, you know, mm -hmm. emotional um, intelligence. Correct. There's to be able to mm -hmm. then teach that. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, lack of social awareness uh, or just self-awareness in general in a lot of, I don't want to say today's generation because it's a lot of people just today in general are lacking a lot of social awareness. And I, I don't want to bring this up because we're literally using technology and our phones right now, but I feel like the social media and the technology that we have today have created this social disconnect that we don't ever stop to reflect on 
you know, how we are being perceived by people and our actions and our behaviors, um, because it's not automatic. It takes a little bit of work and self-reflection and we're not used to doing anything that isn't instant and, and just black and white. So I also talked about that. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't published it yet, but I talked about how sometimes it feels hypocritical mm -hmm. for me to be using social media platform to tell mm -hmm. people that they need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so it's like, here I am using this platform to reach people, mm -hmm. hoping that they actually are paying attention, mm -hmm. right? And telling them that they shouldn't be using it. Mm -hmm. uh, all while I'm also trying not to use it as much. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's two spectrums to it. I mean, two sides of the spectrum. You could be either completely like lacking self-awareness completely, 100% unaware, or you can be so hyper aware that you start questioning the way you're being perceived. Like right now, like all I'm thinking about is what, what do people think about the first half? Cause I feel like I rambled a lot, like, <laughs> you know, but then there could be another person that would just go on and on and on, you know, like I'm doing right now <laughs> and not stop talking and lack self-awareness and and forget that. But right now you know, you're overthinking. Yeah, see, this happens to me. <laughs> so going back to the question, um, we need to start educating our youth because you know they are the future. I mean, the, their parents are. I'm sorry, <laughs> we've we're too late <laughs> at least to educate them in the public uh, system. Um, but we need to start educating their kids because maybe their kids can come home and teach their parents something. Um, that's that's having a lot of hope, but uh, it's something so how do you create supportive and inclusive classroom environment particularly for the students who may be facing challenges outside of the school outside of school? Yeah. okay so one of the reasons i feel like i became a teacher was because my teachers as a you know as a student i felt like they were really good role models and um i didn't have the best childhood growing up and i felt like school was like a safe haven so they were like my other, you know, unofficial family members, parents, like just some extra hands that would, you know, watch over me. And, and I felt safe, like disclosing things with. Um, and I feel like that played a huge part in my development as a student, like in just a person, 13, 14, 15 years old in general, because they were there to listen and give advice and help. So I feel like I've carried that on into my classroom by being as open um, and willing to hear personal problems um, and just being open. And my door is always open and I do have a lot of kids that share um, things that are going on with them in their lives, at home, in school. Um, and I try to give them the best advice that I can. And I try to be very much myself. And sometimes I step away from the teacher role and I put like a friend hat on just to give them honest opinion and advice that are gonna set them up for the future. Um, I have a lot of kids who struggle with self-identity in my school um, and in my classes, um, worrying about how they are perceived by their peers, thinking that they are awkward and don't fit in. And I, I think I recently had uh, this conversation with a student and I said, you know, think about all the celebrities and billionaires in the world. Do you think any of them could be labeled as normal? And I said, probably not. You know, it's their uniqueness and they're not being like everybody else that got them to where they are. So you keep your eye on your goals. And she had some goals. And I said, you should be happy that you have these. Don't let anyone like take you away from these goals. Think of this middle school experience because I teach middle school 
as like a video game. You see your goal and you know all these extra distractions are just distractions, they're obstacles, just jump over them, do not let them stop you. So having an open door policy like that, I feel like, I don't know, helps me give back to them a little bit and teach them in a different way that is not always academic, but life learning. How do you feel, this could be a little controversial. No, 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 no. I'm going for it. Go ahead. How do you feel about the laws that have passed recently <laughs> and how that restricts you to create that ability mm -hmm. to have students feel safe, especially you mm -hmm. feeling like that was a place for you. Perfect, yeah. When you were growing up. Um, loaded question. Um, so I won't, you know, specify because, you know, people might not be from Florida. Um, but we do have some laws being uh, passed or trying to be passed currently that threaten the safety of a lot of, you know, trans youth, um, LGBTQ youth, um, as well as other um, laws. But we'll talk about that one first, because I feel like, you know, it, it's already one thing to feel physically endangered in a school where there are, you know, they're not a lot of gun laws being passed and you know there's a lot of shootings going on but now to also have your like personal identity threatened i think is is it's we're living in crazy times um and i have students or i have had students in the past as well that identified with those labels and i can't even imagine how they feel going to school during this time and our school is not even too far from marjorie stone douglas it's like five minutes away so that is like really close to them. I can't imagine with them feeling physically uh, endangered and now like, you know, being threatened with their identity, which is that this is a lot for a lot of kids. And then on top of that, they're facing uh, tests and, and standards and grades and facing uh, the possibility of not being promoted to the next grade and plus all the social uh, problems that they are faced with in school so just that alone i feel like we have a lot of work to do um and it's just it's just getting tougher for teachers to like sit by and watch all of this because we we don't have too much control or say in it um there's another couple of laws that have been i guess approached by our lawmakers um concerning books um we're not allowed to choose books that are not approved by our library like we can't even have our own library um it's just silly silly things that you know we have so many other things that we can be focusing on in school and you know dealing with social emotional health and getting scores up and teaching kids to read because there are kids in my seventh grade classes that you know they need help reading but we can't even touch that because of everything else going on um chaotic right now in the United States of America public education system. It's not what I pictured being a teacher when I was thinking of becoming a teacher. And it's not what I experienced as a student growing up here. So, so what do you think um, as a teacher? Mm -hmm. And I know that you say that you guys don't get a lot. You don't, you don't have a say in a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. So like, what do you think you can do about what is happening? Um, and then you could give advice to other teachers to maybe, I don't know, like what, what would be like something that you could say, mm -hmm. like, okay, this is what we can control. Okay. What we can control right now is spreading awareness because that's the number one 
weapon, I think, is, is being aware and, and, and spreading awareness and information because a lot of people don't know what's going on. And our teachers know, but do our parents know? Do our neighbors know? Do our parents and our siblings know? Like spreading awareness, like even right now, maybe people are listening to this and, and aren't aware of what's going on. Um, spreading awareness is key because, you know, if you don't know there's a problem, the problem's not going to get fixed. Um, and yeah. Because there's, a, I think that there's obviously a lot of people that support yeah. these laws. Um, if there's something you could say to them, right? Okay. In, in a way that helps them grasp how. Um, okay. Um, let me think about this before I, before I load up my, uh, my word weapons. Um, I, so it's kind of hard, but I'd like them to understand that teaching is not a babysitting job as it is so very much portrayed um, a lot. It's not as easy as it looks dealing with and managing over 25 kids at a time, uh, multiple periods. I have 103 kids total. And that's a huge job because you're, you're their therapist, you're their mother, you're their teacher, you're their nurse, you're, you're so many different things. You're, you're wearing so many hats. Um, and we already have a difficult job. And when you're restraining so many little aspects of it, it makes it almost impossible to do your job. And it discourages the people who have the passion to teach in the first place. Okay. Let's see. Go teachers. <laughs> How has your perception of success evolved as you've grown older? Okay. So let's kick it all the way back to my first experience of success, uh, which I feel like has helped me and sometimes held me down. Um, so I was in first grade when I was recognized as gifted. <laughs> um, and so ever since then, I felt like my bar has been constantly being raised. It's constantly being raised. And people have a lot of high expectations of me, which has helped me in motivating me to keep going and keep going and keep going. However, I feel a lot of pressure ever since I was seven years old um, to be somebody that people are going to praise and brag about. Like, oh, my daughter, she's done this, 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 this. She's amazing. She's so smart. And like, while I love that, <laughs> It does put a lot of pressure on me to keep going. And as a 28-year-old, and this is something I still battle now, I feel like if I'm not working towards something new, like a new accomplishment or a new goal, then I'm not doing anything. So I've had to learn, and I think I, I was more aware of it when I graduated last year with my master's degree that I don't know if I entirely needed <laughs> um, that I don't have to play life like, you know, a video game where I have to go to the next level, next level, next level. Maybe I'm like fine at this level for a little while. And then I might get a new um, dream or goal that I want to pursue. But it doesn't have to be like a diploma or a certificate. Like, so I've had to bring myself away from thinking that I need to accomplish certain things for people because of the way they expect me 
to accomplish things or be successful because I feel like I have been do you think it's really what they expect you or what you get from the praise that you receive when you it, okay do these things so it's definitely a combination <laughs> I'm not gonna lie I love it I love it a lot but also I and I and I feel like that's what I'm doing I'm searching for it I'm like let me do something new what else is she gonna do I don't know. Let me let me get a doctorate. I'm not getting a doctorate. I learned after my master's program, which was a whole lot of work. I mean, I, I don't regret it, but I feel like I went for it for the wrong reason. Like I just wanted that title. I wanted that piece of paper. I wanted to be like, yeah, I got my master's. Like, and that was the wrong reason to do it. And that's why I figured that I don't think I need to go any further. And if I decide to go any further, it's not going to be for a while until I've 100% decided and, you know, made a real goal out of why I would want a doctorate or something higher or go into something else. Because I, I, and I, I don't know if you've mentioned this on your podcast before, but I am a multi-passionate person and I like doing a thousand million different things. I have a lot of interests. And if I don't restrain myself, I might be back in college in a completely different major just because I was bored. <laughs> like, but there's nothing wrong with that. No, it's not. But I, I don't need to play it out like if I'm in a video game. Like, like let's do this new quest. Right, and but I think that that's like you need, and maybe you have, right? Like, how mm -hmm. how can you personally determine, right? Mm -hmm. If what you're doing is because you're trying to level up and mm -hmm. you know get praise and yeah or is it because you're passionate about something mm -hmm. and you generally want to go and learn it okay so i'll give a recent example um entering my sixth year i'm about to enter my sixth year of teaching uh, i have recently been i guess promoted um to a department chair co-chair with um my friend who also works at the school and i didn't exactly even think that I would be even qualified to pursue this position until another friend of mine had recommended that I go out for this position. So it almost felt like I needed someone else to be like, you are capable of doing this for me to be like, oh, am I? And because it would not have never have crossed my mind. So at first I was like, that would be a cool title not that would be you know a cool position to fix things it was at first it became the the title that intrigued me and the fact that somebody thought i could do it <laughs> um and then during the process of getting that position i was like i am not qualified i'm not qualified i'm not qualified but then when i did get the position <laughs> i realized that i had a lot to say and i had a lot of um knowledge on what i was you know speaking about and trying to impact so like now it's been a complete change. Like now I'm excited. Now I have confidence um, that I can implement actual change in my department. So I guess that's what success is. When you finally gain confidence that what you're doing, uh, you're capable of and that you're, you're good at and you're qualified for it. So when you overcome the imposter syndrome. Yes, when mm -hmm. I overcome the imposter syndrome, the imposter syndrome oh, and I are very good friends. Um, we have it a lot um, about almost everything. Um, but it's almost like a game to me because I'll doubt I can do something and then I just get surprised when I do it.
it's entertaining. I mean, <laughs> um, I wanted to say something about something you said too. Yeah, because it seems that, and I guess I I can relate to this as well. Like mm -hmm. that you don't see yourself as capable of something, right? Until someone tells me I am. Because you kind of yes, I I created that. I've started relying on that praise that you can do it like type comments from other people and it kind of like gives me energy and drive to to <laughs> to prove them that you know to prove to them that I can and likewise when to somebody prove to them prove to them or to prove myself them correct or or, or to, validate to validate what they what said they believe already sure yeah. um but also on the other hand what also drives me even crazier is when somebody says, I can't do something. And I'm like, oh, watch me. So I don't know if I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know if, I, if I'm a power hungry, if I just think that these are fun quests in life to do. Um, I guess I just like checking boxes. I don't know. So um, what are you doing to manage, you know, doing things that you want to do versus... Mm -hmm trying to prove to people that mm -hmm. either you are capable, mm -hmm. you know, to validate what mm -hmm. they already believe mm -hmm. or that you want to prove to them that you can because they mm -hmm. don't believe. What, what are you doing to, like, I guess, speak to yourself yeah. and convince yourself so, so what is it that you really want? So because I'm more self-aware that I'm actually doing this because I definitely wasn't years ago. I was just acting without self-reflecting or being, I had no self-awareness. So now I feel like it's a combination of saying no to people and saying no to things and, you know, slowing down, which is, which is another thing that I have problems with is slowing down. I'm like, my boyfriend will tell me this. He'll say, you're either 100 miles per hour going fast and doing everything, or you're zero miles per hour doing absolutely nothing. Like there's no in between. So I feel like those zero mile per hour days, although they are extremely like, you know, it's a little extreme to not do anything. I feel like that's me telling my body and, you know, all of my thoughts to just let's break for a little bit. And I used to feel guilty about it. But now I feel like I realize that I need to recharge and I need to like meditate and sit by myself and, and just analyze what do I actually need? Or what do I want? What would I like? And what can I do to slow down? Like, what is this necessary? And, you know, usually my body will tell me like, hey, we need a day not to do anything. Um, so it's just being aware of, you know, listening to your body, listening to your mental health, um, trying to not go full speed for days and days and days and days, because you have to shut down your brain at some point, because you're going to be exhausted. So I feel like that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to control my racing thoughts. <laughs> and put a break on them. Okay. Um, let's see. So I have no more teacher questions. Okay, yeah. <laughs> we love teachers, but let's move on. Uh let's see. I feel like we covered most of these questions. I have a few questions that I kind of wanted to ask. And I started with three, but now I have four that I wanted to end every mm -hmm. episode with. So I'm testing it out. Yeah. I haven't really decided which ones I'm going to choose or if these are it. Okay. Um, Guinea pig mode on. 
I feel like there's definitely one that I'm going to have okay. that I feel like I want to ask everybody. Okay. Uh, if you had the power to change one thing in the world we live in, what would it be and why? <laughs> okay. Uh, so I had to turn off my childish brain because I had a serious answer, but also um, I had intrusive, like not serious <laughs> answer. <laughs> like, both. Free tacos on Tuesdays. Um, <laughs> okay. So... If I could change one thing in this world, and I know it's going to sound cliche, but I'd like people to just slow down and mm. in, enjoy. Mm. And that's simple. But I feel like if Do you could, slow down and enjoy? But I feel like, okay, so. But you just said you go 100 yeah, miles an yeah. hour or completely stop. Yes, but that's what I, I would, I aspire to slow down and enjoy. So this is where my question has turned into another question. Yeah. Okay. So if that's the if you had the power to change one thing in the world mm -hmm. we live in, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you would change. Yeah. I so what's what are what how I, can you commit mm -hmm. to doing that? One mm -hmm. thing is to <laughs> stop living in the future or in the past. Because you can't control the future really. I mean when you're living in the moment. And then you can't change the past so dwelling on it is going to waste time and energy and you know you're going to waste time of your life that you don't even know how much you have so i feel like i just need to take it slow and enjoy every single moment because i always feel like i'm always thinking about what's next and while i'm thinking about what's next i'm missing what's happening now and I feel like if I didn't do that, things would just be a little bit more enjoyable. People would have less anxiety. People would have better memories about things and, and they wouldn't be remembering all the stress because usually stress comes from worrying about what's going to happen. And, you know, people would just be a little bit more better off and, and more relaxed, uh, drink a wine, or, you know, have a <laughs> bubble bath and just be happier because. We're literally spinning on a floating rock. Absolutely. It's not that serious. <laughs> um, which is which is real nice coming from me because I have to learn all of these things. But I mean, I am by no means a professional, but at least I know that I have to make those changes. You want? Yes, I want to make those changes. <laughs> um, okay. When you look back on your life, what would you hope to be remembered for? Ah. <sighs> Okay, so the first thing that comes to mind when you ask me about how I would like to be remembered, I'm assuming that I am no longer here. People are remembering me a certain way. And I immediately think of, well, I want to be remembered like people remember my grandmother, which, you know, if I break it down, I feel like she was somebody who was faced with a lot of adversity, but still smiled anyways and always acted in kindness, you know, and that's how I. I, I navigate through life, I feel, is acting in kindness, even when it's not the easiest thing to do. And forgiving and, and not taking everything so serious because, you know, uh, humor is healthy, laughing is healthy, and not everything needs to be a sad event. I mean, I've gone through a lot of things in life, and I feel like I can laugh about it and make a joke about it because, you know, I've moved on and I've grown from it. Um, 
So I feel like I take a lot of lessons from her just by what I've observed because she didn't exactly communicate these lessons, but I learned them by watching her actions. So I feel like I'd like to be remembered as somebody who, although was faced with adversity, um, what's a good word? Um, came out of the ashes of the fire anyway. Like a phoenix. Yes, like a phoenix. <laughs> the order she, of the phoenix. She rose. <laughs> she rose. And she was kind and she was witty and she was uh, spunky. And so her character didn't diminish yes, based on yes. the challenges and adversity. Exactly. And that's how I feel like I carry myself. I feel like, yeah, all this stuff happened, but I'm still very much me. And I haven't, I haven't let it affect me in the sense that I am a different person. I've always been me and I've never changed and I don't intend to. And I, and I don't like to do that at work with my friends. Everybody will tell you she's very much herself, <laughs> her very weird self everywhere. Um, and I just want to be authentic, authentic. Uh, if you could share one piece of advice or mm -hmm. wisdom gained from your life experience, what would it be? Okay. Just because people in your life, whether it be a parent or a sibling or any relative has made mistakes and has, you know, not had the greatest life or reputation, it is no excuse for your reputation to follow theirs. And I feel like that resonates me with me a lot because I, you know, for example, <laughs> not to give out too much information, but my father, um, he is currently incarcerated for not such great things. Um, and when people learn about this, they are usually surprised and, and they're like, wow, but you're a teacher and you're so nice. And I'm like, what does that have anything to do with that? You know, I'm my own person. I don't follow in the footsteps of, you know, people's actions just because, you know, they're related to me. Um, and if anything, learn from those people what not to do in life. You know, at least I know what I don't want for my life. And that's a lot that a lot of people I don't I don't think acknowledge because they don't they don't have that experience or they don't know people with those experiences that are as close to them as parents are. So I feel like it has definitely affected my life but i've gone in the opposite direction i think sometimes and this goes back to my mm -hmm. grief episode grief right? i love that episode i think that big fan a lot of times <laughs> uh parents yeah they want their kids their mm -hmm. kids are a reflection of them which is why sometimes they push their kids to do things mm -hmm. that their kids do not want to do mm -hmm. right and then when they fail or they you know, do something opposite of what they had expected mm -hmm. because they believe it's a reflection of them. I think then mm -hmm. it's easy for those same people that have that type of thinking mm -hmm. or those types of expectations to then judge others mm -hmm. based on what their parents yeah. have done. Or that think that, I mean, I mean, we, we do have qualities from our parents, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean you're going to be the same person. Yeah. You have your own free will. You have your own minds. Um, and yeah, that makes a lot of sense because uh, I very much knew who I was at a very early age. And that's probably why I got in trouble so much because <laughs> I was not conforming to anybody. Ask anybody. They'll be like, she is the same person she was as she was four years old. Um, and yeah, it's difficult, you know, dealing with 
a child, I would imagine, who was very headstrong and knew what they wanted. And you know, 25 when it was 100 and how many? Wait, what? The students. Oh, 103 <laughs> students. Trust me, I know. Uh, if, if, if that's their personality, that's their personality. Um, but yeah, I would say be your own person. Don't let anybody, whether they're your parent or not, uh, dictate. Box. Yeah, dictate yeah. where you're going to go because that has nothing to do with you. Okay. And last question. Last, <laughs> the, another last question. I have four. Three. Okay. So I, I wanted to do one question at the end of every episode where somebody would just, like, it's the same repetitive question. Okay. But I haven't decided which one to do. So I'm asking you all the ones I came up with. And okay, yeah, just, just do all of them, whatever. Know, yeah. I'm, I'm sad we didn't play the card game. I mean, we could still. Yeah. <laughs> 45. Um, the playing. I guess I'm going to come back. If come you back. could have a conversation with your younger self, what oh. advice or encouragement would you offer? Okay, so that, wow, you went from, like, inspirational. Now you're going <laughs> to... Get Why? Me. Okay, because I think that I would tell a younger Michelle, and there's a lot of different versions of little Michelle that I would talk to, um, just because we had so many, we, we had so many uh, different phases in our lives or different chapters, different adversaries or adversities. I would tell her that she shouldn't doubt that she is a good person, that she is going to come out exactly she's supposed to and none of it is is negative so i feel like when i was little i very much questioned am i a good person am i selfish am i going to be like my dad because i unfortunately heard things like this growing up so i was very unsure of who i was while still being who i was somehow um but i think that speaks to who i am now i was very conscious about how I was being perceived and and I was just worried that you know just worried worried Michelle Michelle's always worried um <laughs> that something was gonna go wrong or that Michelle is not always worried Michelle no <laughs> Michelle sometimes worries Michelle sometimes worries in the past, in the past a lot. yes in the past she would worry <laughs> a lot um she was she was very insecure in her family so I would say that she where she's supposed to fit and that every adversity or difficulty that she's going to face she's going to be just fine to you know save some anxious moments and panic attacks because it's going to be fine also i would tell her (laughs) not to fall into toxic relationships however i will pedal back and say that that is the reason why i'm in such a good relationship now because i got to experience those bad things and i know what i don't want now um yeah and i would tell her to do better in math at in high school you're only supposed to tell her one thing i have a lot of things so but but then she's never going to learn anything on her own she has to do better in high school math because she's completely capable (laughs) Uh, why is it that us girls get like we're like completely not all of us but a lot of mm -hmm. girls are like we automatically just Say we suck at math, like we're not good at math. Well, and it's I, such a it's, like it's it's a stigma, but sometimes I feel like I mean a lot of girls who really believe that. I know I'm not like I'm not the greatest at math. I am all right at math. I'm decent at math. I, don't I like think it. that I had a specific learning style growing up in in high school, and and I was so focused on other things. I was focused on boyfriend in high school. I was focused on 
what's for lunch? Uh, I want to go home. Uh, so when I was attending those math classes, I really was just thinking about leaving. And so when I got into college and started taking online classes, I learned that I, if I teach myself and I do my own research and I watch, you know, tutorial videos, that it's, it's not that hard. I just, I just needed to have the attention. And high school, school in general, teenage life, is, is <laughs> you have so many other things going on. So math is not one of them. I don't think I have the little card here, but any questions you have for moi? Uh, before we yeah. go watch the heat game. I'm gonna ask you the question back. Which one? What would you tell younger Ellie? Oh, I've written so many letters to younger Ellie. Okay, so let's bullet point it. Just no, I mean, me too. the thing is that I think that there's been times when I've told my younger self that, you know, like things like kind of like a heads up of something, but then I realize, well, if I don't go through that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think now the conversations that mm -hmm. I do, because sometimes I still talk to my younger self. I don't right? think I would warn them. I, I think I would just say that I would you're going to be fine. I tend to reassure her. Okay. I tend to reassure her. You're going to get through all the things that you think you're not going to get through and they're mm -hmm. all going to mold you into the person you are and you're meant mm -hmm. to go through whatever it is you go through, no matter how horrible it may feel while you're going through it and it's a lesson right and so like i tell her i love her mm -hmm. i tell her you know that she does matter and that she is loved mm -hmm. and that she should just be herself and stop trying to look for validation elsewhere because mm -hmm. those are things that i realized i would struggle with mm -hmm. as an adult and it's because they weren't taking care of when I was a child. And mm -hmm. so then those are the things that I still tell her. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Awesome. Nice. <laughs> I like that. It was cute. Yeah. Okay, one more question. But, oh, this, <laughs> this is an easy one. Can I come back for another episode? Of course. <laughs> okay. All right. Of um, course. Okay. I will have to think of another topic. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Because it was fun. It was nice. I liked it. it I fun. did. So thank you so much for listening, for, you know, for being my guest mm -hmm. and for being such a wonderful supporter. Well, thank you. Anytime. And I am looking forward to next time. Mm -hmm. I have a bonus episode I'll be releasing for mental health. It's solo, just moi. But uh, I'd love to hear feedback on this episode and maybe other questions that I can ask for the next one when she'll be on. Yeah. So thank you guys for joining and I'll see you all next week. Well, I'll hear you. Actually, you'll hear me. I don't know why I would say I'll see you. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to see you. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you, Michelle. You're welcome. I love you. Love you, too.